Welcome to episode of Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And here on Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. And again, I have David Glenn the fourth with me today. David, welcome again. I just we'll we'll make it better in the intro since you're you're here a lot now. Yeah. Um you just gotta play uh Shady's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time. Every time. Now David's here. Thomas couldn't be here today because some some kind of a uh some personal reasons popped up and the scheduling kind of got crazy. And we thought it'd be easier just to David was yeah. free um, to kind of ease on everybody. So, so yeah, we're here today. We're continuing concert films. Um, and, and I, I apologize if my voice sounds hoarse or if, uh, if I'm yelling into the mic, cause uh, you, Jack White you, blew out my ears last night and yeah. then, and then uh, John Frusciante uh, melted my mind. So yeah, you, yeah, you uh, went to a little con- discombo. You, yeah. You went to a concert last night. So that's, <laughs> that's the thing. Um, so as research for the podcast. Specific. As research for the podcast, true. So I'll ask, because I usually ask Thomas this, but so you, you've now been on two episodes of this, and and you've listened to our last Waltz episode. Yeah. But I guess, what what have we talked about regarding the concert film? Like, what is it to you, and what is it that we've kind of covered with this well, genre so far? Well, I think that Thomas point, uh, brought up an interesting point. Uh, on the on the last waltz episode is like what is the difference between a concert film and a filmed concert you know yes because there was a lot of t- you know in the in the you know when dvds were like big i mean they would release a lot of sh- all the time sh- like filmed concerts you know and yeah. a lot of those are on letterbox and i've been uh, watching s- some of them but um yeah so it's like what is the difference and i think you know you look at the last waltz or you look at you know prince sign of the times um these are they're, they're designed to be cinematic so i think i think that's mm-hmm. an interesting distinction um, but that being said, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can go about the concert films, as we mentioned on the um, on the the Talking Heads episode, uh, the episode about stop making sense. Uh, you can like just make it purely the concert, and we're going to film the concert, and we're going to make this as cinematic as possible. We're going to make this a, an event that you go to the movies to see. Um, yeah. And I think, but then there's also like you can do like vignettes, which this sort of does, a sign of the time yes. sort of does, or um, you know, uh, the song remains the same from Led Zeppelin we talked about. Um, or it can be kind of a doc as well, like with the last waltz, where there's interviews and you kind of you're either like examining the the movement or, mm-hmm. or or this this time period in the in this band's history, or you know. And a lot of times, I feel like with those, they didn't necessarily realize what they were capturing at the time. You know, we can look yes. back at it and look at. And now I'm also I'm also just like a, a music history nerd as much as I am a film history nerd. So it's like I, I find that stuff fascinating. Um, so I think I think that yeah, I yeah. think you can go no, no I, I agree. Um, but I think it's interesting looking at these three films specifically, how how the different avenues that they that they take. Yeah, because they've all been like time. I'm not coming in. We didn't plan this, but they've all been like time capsules of the people or bands at that time. Right. If it's Talking Heads, because I think because we talked about Talking Heads, where like it's it's like um, the story structure of it. And one thing I kind of thought about after the fact uh, of the idea, if you really want to read into it. It's like when 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 uh David Byrne has the suit that gets big. If you want to go in like the metaphor aspect of it, it's like he's doing it to like be like, oh, it's just kind of a cool suit getting big and you see the body of motion. But what if you read into it as like it's actually David Byrne getting bigger than the band? Because that's essentially mm. what happened is that in react so it's almost like predicting the future if you want to read into that. Like getting too big for the band to where he becomes a solo artist. Cause that's, what's kind of happening is that you're seeing like, and you showcase the, the Tom Tom club before he gets in the big suit. So it's like, he's becoming bigger and they're separating in some way. Mm-hmm. And with last wall. So it's, but it's time capsule, like how big they were at that time, because I think that was kind of their peak in a way. Yeah. 
Um, last well, a lot of the artists that were oh sorry yeah you're talking about Tongue Cats but with the last waltz like a lot of those artists that was their pick yeah yes it's like well I told Thomas so this is the last time you see them all with the same with with their kind of highest or the same amount of relevance at the same time Mm -hmm. like no one ever none of them all are as big as they are together again basically in that moment yeah this is how big they are at this time no one ever eclipses they never eclipse that together as a whole so that's kind of like the ending of this era you either evolve and conform in some way with the music or you move on mm-hmm. and i think what's interesting about today's movie with prince sign of the sign of the times is that it's also very much a time capsule of prince and prince as an artist because and we'll go a little bit more into this but like prince really comes to height like to like massive heights very quickly in the 80s and he kind of has, I won't say a fall because he's, I think Prince is always relevant. Um, but Prince never reaches the same heights that he did after purple rain. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, and as he was alive, like he was always big, but never, never to the same point. And we'll talk about kind of why that is, um, a little bit later, but right, right after this movie was signed of the times or not long after it's like he, Prince gets involved in kind of the turmoil with his record company he becomes the artist formerly known as Prince. Like he gets tied up in the licensing stuff of all that. So like he, it, it's this is like Prince still at his peak, where he kind of doesn't have to fully answer to someone. Right. Is the thing, um, and so which is important that, for an artist like like Prince. Exactly, is to have kind of creative control, and that becomes like all of nineties. It's he's fighting the record company and mm-hmm. about what he can release. And I think about Prince. It's like I was thinking about this. Like, what's kind of the comparison? And maybe this is the wrong comparison, but I was thinking about sports with Prince, and I was like, okay, because Prince and Michael Jackson were kind of the two big people together. It's like you're either kind of the Prince or Michael Jackson. It's the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and I feel like with Michael Jackson and Prince, it's almost like Michael. As some people will hate me for this, but Michael Jordan, LeBron James, because Jordan, <laughs> Jordan, while for a shorter amount of period, did a lot of stuff in a short amount of period. And that feels almost like Michael Jackson, because Jackson released like seven albums throughout his entire career. But yeah, Prince, but they're all banged. They're all, they're, well, yeah, debatable with some of those. Um, but they're, but yeah, it's the hot, some of them are, are massively successful. So it's, it's the M- MJ winning championships or way in a way, but right. Prince is someone who in a similar fashion now with LeBron James, who's now in his 20th season and still somehow a talented player, um, in this moment in time as recording this, um, it's the longevity. And like, while he doesn't have as many championships or awards as say Michael Jordan, and it's similar that's similar with Prince is that Prince released like 39 albums. Yeah. In his name alone. And while not all great, he just was like the longevity of it, he could still put out music consistently. Like you look at his stuff, he was putting out like a record almost every year. That's yeah. insane for an artist. Like nowadays they go off and and like take a 3 year 4 year break mm-hmm. and then come back, but Prince was just putting out music left and right. And We'll, that'll kind of come into play with this, that he can get bored very easily. That's why he's constantly putting out music left and right. And right. that's just the stuff he released. He made way more than he never released is the thing is if like, if you look at like that Kevin Smith story that he tells 
um, on one of his specials where like he, he went to Paisley Park where Prince is at, filmed this whole documentary, and it's never seen the light of day. Because oh, if, oh, you need to listen to that story because that story yeah, is fantastic. Kevin Smith, he, go, he goes to Minnesota, the Paisley Park, to meet with Prince because Prince, he's like, I loved your film Dogma. And I want you to make I want you to make a documentary about me and like the no the, al- the album I'm putting out and kind of the kickers that he makes the documentary and he's like getting up he's like he like ends up like being upset with Prince and stuff like that but he has these great stories about it by the end they're just like oh yeah he's already editing the movie and he's like what do you mean I'm, I'm the director I should edit he goes no Prince is gonna edit it and he's <laughs> like well, when, when, when's it coming out he's like he goes it'll probably just go in the vault and Kevin's like what do you mean the vault like. And it's like no one's ever going to see this, and and the, and the person was just like, "Look, I have produced fifty music videos for him, like fifty, holy shit, high budgeted music videos that you have never seen, because he just puts them in the vault." So I say all that because that you'll think about this when you're when we're talking about the story mm-hmm. is that he just makes this stuff, and if it doesn't really, if he's not in it in the moment it just doesn't get released mm-hmm. or it's not a big deal. And so we'll dive into that today with this. But so with this, we're talking about Prince side of the times, as I've said, and it's stars Prince and, and it comes out in 1987. And it's kind of uh, a, a concert film to promote his recent album side of the times. And we'll dive into this more, but he basically does a European tour to promote it. And he's going to make a concert film for it. And mm-hmm. it's also kind of the beginnings of his new him and his new band, because his previous band, uh, The Revolution, essentially they broke up. He fired him. We'll dive into that more. Uh, and he gets this new band, which then becomes Prince and the New Revolution uh, is the thing. But I don't think they're fully that yet is the thing. They become that a little bit later, but still kind of showing off most of them. So. Yeah, it's released in 1987. It's coming off like a year after, a few years after Stop Making Sense. Um, so you're seeing kind of the rise of these concert films. But mm-hmm. Prince directed it himself. Uh, we, I think he mentioned, because we mentioned True Stories uh, last time yeah, with yeah. Stop Making Sense. And you're like, what? what's an artist that's directed movies? Yeah. Prince has directed three films. And this is one of them. And we'll dive into this one, another one as we keep going. Uh, but he directed this. It was it was an un, he has an uncredited director on this, who's Albert uh, Magnoli, who was also the director for Purple Rain. Um, so so yeah, Which so I, I know he. Seen. Oh well, you gotta watch Purple Rain. I know, I know. I mean, I think this is better, but Purple yeah. Rain is more of the like just culturally more important. I will sure. say. Um, and but and and you'll realize as we keep going why it's culturally important. Um, so. With you haven't seen Sign of the Times before, and you hadn't seen Purple Rain, uh, David, what has been your history, history Prince? Yeah. Or, or experience with Prince? So I have a I have a list here. So obviously the ice cream, <laughs> obviously the ice cream story, which I'll let you tell in a minute. Um, <laughs> when we went to the the ice cream shop and <laughs> oh that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll let you tell it in a minute. But, like, what um, are you talking about? Yes, uh, this the um, obviously a Super Bowl performance, which was that was oh seven. Was that? I know the, it was the I year the Colts so. won. I remember yeah. that time. Yes, so yeah. that was, uh, I think I was in like sixth grade. Yeah, so that I was, was like the first school. time I'd seen him play. Um, and my dad was really like, oh yeah, you should check out Prince. But I, I, I never did. He just wasn't really my vibe. But I knew him of the Chappelle show sketch. Obviously, yeah. it's not of the caliber of the Rick James one, but it's still pretty funny. That's like the other Charlie Murphy 
yeah. true, true Hollywood stories or whatever they call it. Um, and then, of course, Batman, Burton's Batman 1989. Mm-hmm. I love that scene when uh, Nicholson's running around the art, the, <laughs> destroying the art to print yeah, guns playing yeah, on the, part, on party the man. Box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then when I was a kid, though, my friend's dad, he loved Prince, man. And uh-huh. I, I only played pool with this man maybe two or three times. But he would always call the four solid ball Purple Rain. And to this yeah. day, I still I still call it that because of him. But this man, him and his buddy, they would just sit there and drink beer, man. And as 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 far as they would get through the thirty rack, they would get better. And I never uh-huh. understood it. They never taught <laughs> us how to play. They would just beat us, just destroy us. But yeah, he always called it Purple Rain, and uh, so I still to this day call the four solid uh, Purple Rain. But yeah, like I said, he he's not really my vibe. Um, uh, Prince isn't, but I do appreciate it over the movie, and I, I cannot deny that Purple Rain is like one of the great power ballads of the 80s. Yeah. And that song, like, uh, I mean, it makes me feel things that I didn't think I had the capacity to feel. Um, <laughs> it, and it's not just, like, vocally and, and lyrically, although that's certainly a big piece of that, but, like, he, he that solo in that song, dude, like, he, he communicates through the guitar in the in the way that many great guitarists do. And it's, like, it's like an extension of his soul, man. man and he, I, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a great, 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 have you, great song. Have you ever listened to him him uh, play While My Guitar Gently Weeps? I actually did listen to that because I was reading. Okay. Um, I, I was reading a, somebody's review of Sign of the Times on Letterboxd, and they mentioned that. And I clicked the link, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I, I I wholeheartedly believe that Prince might be the greatest entertainer we ever had. Like in terms of performance wise, in terms of musicianship, like he could do anything it felt like and i think as we'll go into sign of the times i think this is just a perfect representation of what prince could do where he's playing guitar playing piano playing right. drums singing dancing directing the thing he's all over the map and i think is good at almost all of it is the mm-hmm. thing. like the only the only the only uh instrument he couldn't play was like the saxophone some of the horns anything else he could play and he yeah. could play fan- like brilliantly. And I think just what he could do, like say, say a Michael Jackson, where Michael Jackson is mostly singing when he's at a concert and he can, and he's, and he's a phenomenal dancer and he's still an ultimate performer. But Prince is like this perfect mix of musicianship and performer is the thing. Yeah. Um, and so I got into Prince at probably high school. Like it's like, I, I think I got like the Prince's greatest hits. That's kind of how you were, you, at my age, that's how you're usually introduced to an artist is like their 20 song greatest hits or whatever. And that's how it oh, was yeah. with Prince. I mean, I had a bunch of greatest hit CDs as a kid, man. I mean, I yeah. a lot of my favorite bands, you know, were born from those greatest hit CDs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had the Led and, Zeppelin double, man. It was the early days and the later days. man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Prince was the very best of Prince. And so yeah. I, I, I listened to that and loved that. And so, yeah, I watched Purple Rant at some point. I haven't watched all of his other films they've done, but we'll talk about one today. Um, a little bit because it comes to play with the story, but yeah, Prince was just someone that it it was. I think his songs are phenomenal, um, and I think he's someone that is able to songs that came out in the eighties that could still feel as modern today. I think that's the thing about Sign of the Times is that when you listen to that, that's when it's, it's kind of seen as like he's recording in the eighties, but yet it's an album that feels so modern even for right. today. Um, so were you excited then when he was announced as the Super Bowl halftime uh, artist? That yeah, I think that was the first time seeing him perform live because, again, yeah. gr- growing up, that's a period where like he was in he was kind of tied up in 
his his kind of record deal stuff. Yeah. Um, and so he became known as like that. And so he kind of where he kind of popped up. I remember my first time really kind of seeing him where it was kind of like Prince is out doing his thing um, was musicology, which was like, oh, four. And there's a great uh, which I they I saw post after he passed away. Um, great kind of MTV Unplugged that he did. It was like I don't know if it's MTV Unplugged, but it was very similar. Right. And he's playing a lot of his songs on just on like acoustic guitar, and it's fascinating to watch. And you see how he is with as a performer, like talking to the audience and playing, and it's just it's beautiful. Um, but yeah, so but I was excited to see him perform then because I'd never seen him perform at that point in time. Yeah. Um, and thought he was fantastic. And it's, and again, that's the great story of like, there's a video on YouTube somewhere that they like when he, they NFL was ready to release this the day he passed away. Cause like the day he passed away, they posted this like basically document, like mini documentary about him performing at super, super halftime show. Oh, that sounds interesting. And how like it was pouring down rain and they're just like, they basically said Prince, like, it's pouring down rain. Like, what do you want to do? He's like, can you make it rain more? Because <laughs> um, it's, and like, and, and like, when you watch it, it's like, it goes off without a hitch. It's one of the best Super Bowl halftime shows I've ever seen because it goes off perfectly and it's like a torrential downpour. Like, like, they were saying how, like, in the booth, they couldn't even hardly see the stage because it was yeah. raining so hard. And he's out there with multiple electric guitars. Like with the with the like a I guess the pack like strapped to him, if if something goes wrong, like say lightning strikes or something, like it's it's not a good day for Prince. That's what I'm saying. Right. And like all the dancers were in like they said were in these like large stiletto hills dancing around this very slippery stage, and no one ever falls. Um, and it was just kind of, but it's kind of Prince. Like he just he is this this uh incredible craftsman that's so obsessed the details it feels like and musically i think he was a genius uh so yeah so i was excited to hear him play then and with sign of the times it's something that was very hard to find for a long time and we'll discuss more about this as we go so i was it was one that like it was almost like you talked about in hushed tones because it wasn't it's never been released on dvd ever. oh really DVD, in the u.s never on dvd on, on the u.s or blu-ray so it's been like bootlegged, it, I assume. It went out of print on VHS like yeah. 30 years ago after it came out. And in 2017, I guess after he passed away, it randomly aired on Showtime. No way. And then ever since then, it's been this past year's kind of the bigger year where it was on Criterion Channel in right. 20 early 2022. It was on Prime for a little bit. And now it's currently streaming on like a lot of the free services, like uh Pluto TV, uh, I think Tubi, Freevee, um, Peacock is where that's kind of the, the the bigger brand. But those are they all see for free. I'll just with ads and with something like Peacock, it plays ads at the beginning, so you can watch it fully all the way straight through. So if you haven't seen it, which a lot of people haven't seen this movie, you can't. It, it is it's accessible now. Is the thing yeah. compared to what it was even just five years ago or even two years ago. Um, so it's it's one of the lesser lesser seen movies that we've actually covered about possibly one of the pop, most popular figures of all time, at yeah. least at least in American culture and American pop culture. Um, so, yeah. So let's dive into Prince Sign of the Times. So after the release of Purple Rain, 
Prince was on top of the world. His acting debut in Purple Rain would become a massive hit, grossing $70 million off a $7 million budget, with many cr- critics praising Prince's on-screen ability. Uh, famed critics Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel praised the film by putting it on both of their top 10 films of the year list, and Ebert called it one of the greatest rock movies of all time. Prince would then win an Oscar for the now-defunct award Best Original Song Score, which was like basically what pop songs that were written for. I think I think the Beatles won it for Let It Be at one point as well. Um, but the bigger hit was the film's soundtrack, which sold over 13 million copies and spent 24 non-consecutive weeks at the top at the top of the Billboard 200 charts. Um, during this period, Prince had the number one movie in America and the number one album in America simultaneously, which was a rare feat. Uh, I think they said he was the first one to do it. I don't know if that's entirely sure because I know John Belushi weirdly had the number one movie in the, in the country with Animal House, a number one album in America with Briefcase Full of Blues, the Blues, Blues Brothers, and had the number one late night show with SNL. And he's oh, the what? only person to ever do that. So him and Prince are in the same, I guess, same category. <laughs> same league. Yes, um, but, uh, but soon after, Prince's music would become a part of the political news when uh, news cycle when Tipper Gore, political activist and wife to Al Gore, co-founded the Parents Music Resource Center, which was an organization that wanted to increase parental awareness of explicit music their kids were listening to. And Gore said she was inspired to create the organization after she heard her 11-year-old daughter listening to Prince's song, Darling Nikki, which appeared in Purple Rain. And it was oh, a very God. highly sexualized song. Uh, this song would be the main song that inspired the creation of the parental advisory sticker. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, his next album, Around the World in 80 Days, would be considered a weaker album compared to Purple Rain. And most critics labeled it a disappointment, even though it was financially successful. Uh, not long after Prince announced that he would stop performing live and stop making music videos. He would not stick to that promise for long. Um, even after the controversy around Prince with darling Nikki, he was still a hot commodity. So Warner brothers essentially gave him carte blanche to do another film after purple rain. Prince would decide to make under the cherry moon, a period piece musical romantic dramedy uh, about two con artist brothers attempting to swindle a soon to be wealthy heiress at the French Riviera. But things get complicated when one falls in love with, with her, when one falls in love with her. Um, the film was to be directed by Mary Lambert, a popular music video director who had worked with Janet Jackson and Madonna. But a few weeks into filming Lambert would leave the production due to creative differences. I assume probably with Prince um, because because of that, Prince would step into the directing chair, making Under the Cherry Moon his directorial debut oh. as a filmmaker. Uh, Prince really wanted to shoot the film in black and white, but Warner Brothers feared it wouldn't make any money like, like that. So Prince agreed to shoot it in color, but would then turn it into black and white in post-production, uh, which is how it was released. There's never been any kind of release of a color version of this film. Um, so it's only been black and white. Uh, Which is interesting be- because the colors in this are so vibrant, so yeah, so vivid. <laughs> I mean, that was literally my only well, one of my well, my note was just cut. Like I just wrote the word colors. Yeah, it's it's Technicolor <laughs> okay. neon drenched world basically. Yeah. Um, the film would be released on July second, nineteen eighty six, the same weekend as John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. 
and Under the Cherry Moon would be a massive failure critically and financially. Compared to the $70 million of Purple Rain, Under the Cherry Moon would gross $10 million against a $9 million budget plus publicity and ads and stuff like that. So, didn't do well. Critics also hated the film. Siskel and Ebert, who loved Purple Rain, disliked it, both giving it a thumbs down and including it in their worst of 1986 list. So he really took a turn going from best of 1984 to worst of 86. The film would also receive eight Razzie nominations and would win five of them, including worst actor for Prince, worst director for Prince, and it would tie for worst picture with Howard the Duck. (laughs) The film has since been reappraised by some and been reappraised and praised by some but many still see it as an inferior film to Purple Rain. But the film's soundtrack, which was released three months prior to the film's release, uh, was a critical and financial success. It was actually called Parade and not Under the Cherry Moon. It was just a different name completely, weirdly. Mm. Um, It would have some of Prince's more popular songs like Kiss and Sometimes It Snows in April, which would appear in Under the Cherry Moon. But some of Prince's fans were not happy with the direction he was taking, apparently. Um, they felt he was alienating the like the music fans that he had before. The soundtrack would also be the last time that Prince would work with his popular backing band, The Revolution, because they were mainly known as Prince and the Revolution. And a lot of the Revolution members, specifically Wendy and Lucy, had appeared in Purple Rain. Uh, and in a scenario, kind of life imitating art, a little bit of spoiler on Purple Rain, uh, David, is that in the movie, uh, Prince's character is named The Kid. That's his name. He's The Kid. And he's kind of this brilliant musician, a la Prince. And his band is getting frustrated that they're having very little creative input in the music they're putting out because they thought we were all doing this together. And it's just becoming the kids, like kind of his music, basically. And Purple Rain in that movie was written by Wendy and Lucy, his part of his backing band. And so the ending kind of of the movie when he plays Purple Rain is that he's playing their song. And he Mm. lets them have a part in the band. Well, in this scenario, (laughs) Prince was not having that because Wendy and Lucy wanted to have a more, more focal point in the creative output of uh, Prince, the revolution and Prince kind of didn't want that. Uh, They were upset also by Prince bringing new musicians and other members of his entourage, like kind of the guy who's the, kind of the main character, like the side character in this movie, Sign of the Times, the kind of like guy who's like always after the girl or whatever. In like the, in like the vignettes? The vignettes. The, he's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. the lead character in the vignettes that like is yeah. always like after a girl or whatever. Cat is the girl's name. Um, but yeah, he's always kind of, so they were kind of upset that he was bringing these other people who were like being used like comic relief on the stage show. Mm-hmm. And they were upset that it was going in that way. And so they were on tour for, uh, uh, to promote the parade album called hit and run parade tour. And Wendy and Lucy are becoming very frustrated with Prince's kind of antics with, or, or bringing all these new people and not spending a lot of time with the original band members, uh, Wendy and Lucy. And then their bass player, Brown Mark even threatened to quit the tour. At, at one point, Wendy and Lucy went to the airport uh, about to leave the tour until the band's drummer, Bobby Z caught them at the airport and convinced them to come back and ride out the tour for the rest of the year. Um, Brown Mark was actually going to leave to work with Stevie Nicks as her bass player, 
but Prince agreed to give him a pay bump, even though apparently it wasn't as much he initially promised, and Brown Mark never saw that money. Uh, and then on the final tour, for, final night of the tour in Japan, uh, when Prince was playing Purple Rain on stage, he ended it by smashing all of his guitars on stage to end the concert. <laughs> and when and Wendy looked around at other band members and said, it's over. Uh, after the tour, Prince would invite Wendy and Lucy over for dinner one night in Beverly Hills, and he would fire them. He would then fire his drummer, Bobby Z, telling him that Sheila E was going to replace him because she had been doing some of the con- or doing the album work of late. Uh, but Prince would keep Bobby Z on payroll apparently for years because of his close ties with him. Uh, Brown Mark was asked to stay, but he would quit out of loyalty to the other bandmates that were fired. And because of that, the revolution, as they knew it, was no more. And after that, Prince began working on his next project, or actually, projects. Because before the revolution broke up, Prince was working on an album called The Dream Factory, which, funny enough, was supposed to have more input from Wendy and Lucy. Um, Mm. But it was during this project that he would fire them, and he would work on it a little bit more, but he would also work on another project called Camille. And Camille was going to be kind of a... It was a solo effort just from Prince. No Prince in the Revolution, just Prince. Uh, And it was going to be a concept album about Prince who had created this kind of androgynous character named Camille, I believe, that sang in a very high-pitched female-sounding voice. But once the band broke broke up, Prince would decide to take the, the works of the Dream Factory album and the Camille album and combine them together to make a triple album called The Crystal Ball. But hmm. Warner Brothers was like, Warner Brothers, who is Prince's recording company, record company, were like, we're not doing that. We're not releasing a triple album of music. That's insane. <laughs> so P- Prince would then begin to restructure the album, cutting out seven songs to make it a double album. And he would add the, the album's feature title song to this in this recording process called Sign of the Times. Uh, the album would then re- be released on March 30th, 1987, and it quickly was regarded as Prince's best album because of its varied musical styles. Now, while the album wouldn't be as financially successful as Purple Rain, which became the benchmark for Prince's career, um, it would peak at number six on the Billboard t- uh, Top 200, and it would become certified platinum. Now, after the album's release, Prince would then decide to do a short tour for the album, but only in Europe. He did not want to tour in America. It was around this time that Prince decided to film a concert version of the film in order to promote the album in the U.S. since he was not going to tour there. They said a big reason why he did this was because he was getting bored with touring for the album and didn't want to keep performing it elsewhere, wanting to move on to something else. Uh, before we dive into favorite scenes, I'm going to do what Thomas did last week. I'm actually jumped to onset life real quick so okay. we can do that after that. So you kind of get a little more context on that because it's very short. Sure. Um, onset life. Prince would then decide to film the concert over a few nights when the tour stopped in Rotterdam, Netherlands, uh, and then the tour stopped in Belgium. So they record like three or four nights, basically. After reviewing all of the footage, Prince was not satisfied with the quality of the video or the audio, but specifically the video because of how grainy it was. Once the tour was over, Prince decided to reshoot the majority of the film at his newly built soundstage at his home in Paisley Park in Minnesota. Um, Like the actual concert footage, Prince would direct the shoot, but at some point his Purple Rain director, Albert 
Magnoli would also help with directing and was uncredited. Another portion of the film that was not directed by Prince was the You Got the Look music video that randomly is popped, like is put right in the middle of the movie uh, and looks vastly different than the rest of the film, uh, was directed by David Hogan and was shot in Paris. Um, according oh, wow. to the yeah, according to the band's saxophonist, 80% of the film was taken from the Paisley Park reshoots. So basically those four nights of uh, shooting in Netherlands and Belgium were useless for the visuals, but they actually would use the audio recording from those nights. And while filming the movie, Prince and the band would lip sync and mime to the music that was being, that had been used during European tour. So when you're seeing this movie, most is all lip sync and most is all mimed. Um, once, once the filming was done, a representative from Prince said that he was to begin editing the film on Sunday after wrapping with hopes to be done editing by Friday for an early September release. Uh, don't worry, that did not fully happen. But let's move on to favorite scenes here. Um, after all that. So that probably changed your outlook of this movie a little bit. They, they mimed and lip synced most of this movie. Yeah, man. I mean, I didn't even no- <laughs> notice. You can't notice. He's so, he's so energetic. Yes, um, yes, yes. He really sells it. Uh, so yeah so what did you feel how what did you feel about this movie like favorite scenes what did you like about it like what's your, um, what's I mean, your thoughts i mean i love the design of the of the the show i mean like the like, by that i mean like the the stage um it like feels color, like an art it feels like an art installation in a way yeah i mean the colors yeah. are amazing it's impeccably lit um i love the like just the real random trippy stuff that's like on the stage like that the you know like the yeah. electron ball thing that you would see at the science you know the science yeah museum. he'd be like touching uh, or whatever yeah and, like, and they even like zoom in on it at one point i forgot which song that's, yeah. that's introing but yeah man i mean i just like i think it's like as a stage show like as the, con- yeah. the as the concert itself like that is it, it's really well designed so i think that's really cool yeah. i'm trying to think uh i mean i guess i would say that for my favorite song but yeah i mean i, I liked i liked quite a few of the performances uh, yeah. i mean i like this performance overall but i liked quite a few of the the individual uh numbers yeah. Uh, so but yeah, I'll save my favorite for the when we do well, when we do that warrior. We'll talk about a few real quick because again, I love the set of it too. I love like the opening when like it's kind of the weird like back alley set that he's on, and it's like the flashing lights coming in, mm-hmm. um, and then he's like basically like, running into the concert. And the opening sequence is sign of the times. He starts really right off the, right off the bat with the title song of the album. And what's interesting about the opening number with sign of times it's that it's lit like in a way different way than the rest of the movie like he's almost lit in shadow in a way where like it's like the lights almost all purple it's very dim it's mostly foggy you can't really see him um and you see the opening song it's a great opening and then you kind of in a few songs later get into uh well i love the kind of um his little red Corvette number where he's kind of playing the piano, which is kind of the only callback to a, a song from an earlier album. Cause the mm-hmm. rest of the songs on here are just from sign of the times. Um, I initially plan on doing more songs from his like back catalog, but then he like nicks them all. Um, really? Yeah. He was playing yeah, on I mean, like I, I, kiss purple rain, 1999. Yeah. To do purple rain. Right. But I, but I think that's, what's interesting is, um, how, how he does stick to this album but i think what's interesting about this album like you were talking about earlier it's like it's a it's a very wide uh net it's a wide album. range like it's a v- variety yeah. variety within this within the single albums so yeah i, I think that like, helped the- it's like you have sign of the times and then you have something like the cross which are mm-hmm. two very different songs in terms yeah, and he of has style. like the slower 
slower songs too, mm-hmm. like Slow Love and yeah. Um, yeah, it has a nice balance. Now, that being said, well, we'll probably discuss this in, in the what didn't work, but I, yeah. I don't think it's as well structured as, um, say, Stop Making Sense or, or, I agree or with The Last that. Waltz. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. I think this you can say this is more of a hodgepodge, but I think out of all the movies we've watched so far, I think this is purely from one voice, I, I, no matter, I, I no matter what, you what you think. It's like with Stop Making Sense, it is a lot of David Byrne, but you still have Demi's kind of directorial voice at hand kind of shooting it. With Last Waltz, you had that kind of conflict of the Robbie Roberts perspective and Mm -hmm. the the Levon perspective, but also the Scorsese perspective, who's kind of wins the movie. But with this one... And those two are in completely different documentaries. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. But with this one, it is Prince and Prince alone. Yeah. From top yes, to bottom, I think that in that New York, um, the New York Times review, it said you're in Prince's. Uh, is it say Prince's World or Prince's, Prince's Galaxy Planet. or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah Prince's, Prince's Planet. Planet. Prince's Planet. Yeah. and I feel that. I mean, there's colors that exist on this stage that I don't think exist yeah. in the normal color spectrum. <laughs> like I think you'd have to be on a hallucinogen to, to see these colors in real life. I agree. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah it's, it feels purely like you know, it feels like it's from his mind. It feels like you're, not not only that, like it feels like you're entering his mind, you know. Yeah, it's like I mean, it's like yeah. The the say cinematography isn't as say jaw dropping as stop making sense. But the thing about this movie, the movement of this film is just crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's it's such a high octane, energy fueled film. Film I feel like, and it really moves too. Like overall, yeah, it really moves. Yeah, it does. Um, and again, you really see just this massive showcase of this artist. Um, but you have the little red Corvette piano that really, that's like kind of like intimate moment, which kind of is a foreshadowing, like one of his last albums, which was, or one of his most, uh, uh posthumous releases was like, a uh, a mic and a piano or whatever, which is him playing mm. piano, like, like that. But it's like, it's beautiful. And then he just like goes right into housequake. And right. that's where you really see how good of a dancer he is and how he's just moving. Oh man, he's tearing up the stage. It's uh, but just out of just out of curiosity, back to this vault, vault thing. So post post uh, you know post his passing, have they released much from the vault, or is that just did he, did he I, put that in his will that he doesn't want anybody seeing a lot of that stuff? Well, they released three albums so far. Okay, uh, I believe from his uh, let's see, from his kind of back or from his catalog, um, they released three editions. They actually did a super deluxe version of Sign of the Times in twenty twenty. Mm. Um, which contained like I guess probably all the songs that are probably on that the the, the crystal triple. ball yeah <laughs> yeah um and they've done kind of like vinyl releases of stuff um they did Welcome to America was his last one which was uh released in 2021 so he did Welcome to America in 2021 originals which was kind of a which I, it was a kind of fun album it was like a demo album so it was all the songs that Prince had written but didn't actually sing is what it was. Mm. So like manic Monday, um, by the bangles was, it was a, a Prince song. Um, certain songs are on purple rain that he didn't sing. He wrote, um, nothing compares to you. Um, even though there's a, there's a, you're my love, which is like a Kenny Rogers country song, but Prince wrote it. Um, so you kind of see like the wide range of him as a writer. And that one, mm. but he saw, he sang the first demos and they're basically fully produced songs. It's Prince. Um, 
but you got that, and then you had the uh, piano and a microphone, which he was kind of like a him recording in like '83 of just kind of like playing at his home studio, and it's just him playing for like 35 minutes straight on a piano, and it's hmm. mostly just kind of like ramblings with some really beautiful sequences. I think one of the biggest one is "Mary, Don't You Weep," which I think Spike Lee used at the end of Black Klansman on the credits. Mm. Um, so they released a few things. I mean, like that they're doing it like very, like every few years. Yeah. So at the joke, the joke, uh, and Kevin Smith's like, yeah, like once, when the world goes up in flames, like we'll have tons of music from Prince basically. <laughs> um, Maybe you have that to look from, forward to uh, yeah, in from the, the apocalypse. From the vaults. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so he did. Yeah. He, so he did a lot of that. Yeah. So housequake's a great sequence. And then I think, one of my favorite songs from Prince, I won't say it's my favorite thing on here, but my favorite song from Prince is, or one of my favorite songs is I can never be your man. And yeah. that's when he's playing guitar. He's up. On, I think he's up on the, like the kind of like a uh, box that he stands up on with the, with the light behind him or whatever. And he's just like shirtless playing, I think is in that one. Um, but like just the pure confidence of him is insane because he has this swagger to him he has this confidence in every single song mm-hmm. that it almost feels like i wrote down it feels like you have walked into a jam session of a band and he is just playing with ease like no one's there yeah like the the i guess he's, he's performing which is amazing but like he just feels so like screw it mentality yeah and it feels effortless sh- it does. It does. It feels yeah. so effortless. Everything he does in this movie feels so effortless. Is the thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's, it feels like that you're, you're walking into a band, a jam session, and the like. The audience just showed up to see it, and he's there, <laughs> and and you kind of get that when they're playing. The, they're playing the one song, uh, the Charlie Parker cover. It's like a jazz cut or it was of a jazz song. Um, mm-hmm. Now's the time where ben, Prince is not there, and they're just jamming. It feels like. Yeah, like the band's having a good time. They have the great drum solo right before drum solo. I was gonna say that yeah. that's one of my favorite. Sheila moments. Sheila E is yeah. fantastic in this movie too. I mean, by her the way. kit, dude. Plus her her drum yeah. kit is insane, dude. Yeah, but yeah, she tears that thing up. Uh, in I mean, the in the solo, yeah, yeah, she's she's absolutely fantastic here, and kind of the yeah. She also I, do love this, I love the saxophone player too. He has a moment where I think it's during that during that jazz where he like just plays for a moment. That's it's beautiful. Yeah, which I'm trying to think, which one's his jazz? His because I know one of the guys, uh, but my miss keyboard player. One of the guys was one of the original Revolution members that stayed on. Oh, okay. Um, and I think it was. Uh, let me get to the actual album. Um, Fink was the guy's was the was the uh, the person's name. Let's see. No, he was keyboard guy. Doctor Fink was the keyboard guy. Mm. Uh, and he he was one that was on the revolution. Um, yeah, Sheila E, who became a a, a popular drummer and an artist in her own right after uh, I think before and after Prince, basically. Um, but she's fantastic. Yeah, Cause she because that's thing. She comes off at one point and starts singing, and Prince goes yeah, on and he, starts then drumming. He goes on the kit. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. I watched that, I was like, "Dear God, could this yeah. guy just do anything he wanted to?" Like it was, it was insane how good he was at everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then yeah, the the uh, I love the kind of like when it comes to the Forever in My Life when like they're doing the um the matches 
Mm, mm-hmm. Such or, or or the lighters. Such yeah, a yeah. cool sequence. Yeah. When they're like the beats going in the mat and the, the lighters going at the same exact time. Such a cool sequence for forever in my life. Um, and then I I I, I love the. Uh, the cross finale that he sings where he's in like yeah. all, all denim. Like he has so many costume changes in this movie. It's insane. Like he has the orange kind of bell bombs he comes in with. And he has that like black, like, like almost like, like the, the, with the neon stripes on it or whatever that he's wearing. And then he comes in with just shirtless at some points as he does. Yeah. Uh, and then he well, has it feels like of- each song is like a different character almost. Exactly. And that comes yeah. into that Camille stuff. Cause when he sings, I think one of the big ones that's left over is the, um, uh, if I was your girlfriend, yeah. that was like one that, that was from the Camille project where he's singing in a high pitched voice, kind of from a female perspective in some way. Um, so you're seeing kind of hodgepodge of these albums kind of put into this one big thing. Um, but yeah, I think his, I think and I love the way that that song ends too. It's like a big, uh, Big moment. Uh, yeah. If I was, if I was your, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think I agree with you that, that it's not as well structured as Demi stuff. Or well, I think specifically right after that, because that song's like very like big energy. And then it goes into the forever in my life, which kind of halted yeah. the momentum for me and not in like a, it was just kind of drastic. I felt like, like okay. I think overall the movie has good ebbs and flows, but yeah. that song right after if I was your girlfriend just felt like two very uh like just completely different energies you know that's fair well I also think that you got you got the look has a very different energy too yeah um that's before because I don't know if you noticed but when you watch it it's very apparent (laughs) that it is not shot the same way like because it's like everything else feels very cinematic and with you got the look it feels like an MTV music video Mm -hmm. it feels like it was actually shot on video and not on film (laughs) <laughs> like and not saying it's bad and not saying it's bad but it just feels like a very different vibe and a right. lot of critics said like yeah and then all of a sudden just you have to look music video is just thrown right in the middle of this <laughs> and you're not sure why yeah. um but yeah it's like sign of times i think it's it's labeled as one of his best i personally prefer purple rain as an album but because i was of, listening to that on my hike the other day and that, it, i mean that album's just amazing dude. that's one of my favorite albums of all time but yeah, this album yeah. i think too is why it stands up so well is because of how varied it is musically purple rain isn't as varied musically that's fair sign of the times while not as many i think hits as say purple rain, i think purple rain to me is a no skip album i can listen to that album from yeah. start to finish without skipping a single song sign of the times is a little bit more of a uh it feels more of a of a larger piece if that means like everything feels mm. like a larger piece in some way because but everything's so varied and you're either in mm-hmm. with it or you're not yeah, yeah um but no i but yeah the cross i i really fell in love with the cross this time because that was just a cool like great finale for like a stadium type mm-hmm. arena like tour yeah, and my actually, actually, my favorite is the one before that. It's going to be uh, a beautiful night, which I felt like was kind of the crescendo of the of, of yeah. the show. Which, yeah. I, but I, but I do think that's interesting when because then the cross kind of actually feels like if you're at a if you're at a concert, it feels like that. That's like the finale song, you know. That's your finale. They, they song. always do that. They build to the crescendo and then they kind of have one last song, or, yeah. or they'll come on for an encore, you know. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think I think that at that like last couple, I think that that works really well. Like yeah, you know, I, feeding I think, into each other. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um. I mean, it's interesting stuff. It's a very, it's a very fascinating watch to me. Like, um, it's 
flawed. Well, this is on Edgar Wright's list, isn't it? So I wonder it he is, must have it seen is. it in the cinema when he was, you know, probably or, or yeah. VHS yeah. because like it's such it was such a hard film to find. And we'll go into that a little bit later. Yeah, but like, uh, yeah, but I can't just, imagine seeing this in the cinema, dude. I bet I bet that'd be. I would love fun. to see it on screen, yeah. Yeah. like because I, I think like similar to Stop Making Sense. Stop Making Sense has a little bit more after rewatching both these so close together, but Sign of the Times, as I said earlier, has so much energy in it. It's insane yeah. of just how fast he is moving. And you do kind of wish some of the, the, the filmmaking style would keep up with that. It's like, mm-hmm. it sounds like the filmmaking can't contain him is that you kind of just have to point and shoot with Prince. You can't really add a lot of flair to it yeah. because he's so insanely just on another level. Yeah, he's a showman. He's a showman. And so you can't yeah. really contain that with, within the frame. You have to say, like, right. yeah, let him cook. David, you gotta let him cook. Is the thing. <laughs> let him loose. Let him loose. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to restrain him. I mean, I know mm-hmm. he's directing this himself, but if I was directing, I wouldn't try to restrain Prince. Why? Why? Yeah. I mean, a, it, but what, what, it, it's an interesting dynamic to say like, that a lot of this was shot like in a controlled environment. In comparison, to say, right. stop making sense. Like it's like Prince, e- e- even when it's like he's controlled, he mm-hmm. feels uncontrollable. That's that's what's so funny to me. Is that this is shot in a very controlled environment, but it doesn't feel that way. That's what's so amazing right. to me. It doesn't feel controlled in the sense that, say, Stop Making Sense does. But Stop Making Sense is the one done in front of a live audience. And this, while there is a live audience, I think, he probably brought people in for, to Paisley Park, but also there's probably some stuff in the other footage, but like our other concerts, but like it's, he's controlling all of it. And mm-hmm. the way he's able to stay on point with the lip syncing and the miming is, is kind yeah, that of blows, insane. That blows my mind. Dude, That's insane to that. me. Yeah. yeah. It, it, made, it recontextualized the whole thing for me, honestly. It does. It does. <laughs> and I didn't know that watching it. I was like, at some point I was like, wow, he sounds really good for someone who's moving around so fast. Yeah. But it didn't seem like he was lip syncing was the thing. So yeah. Or, or there's playing like, like the stuff that he's, when he's playing guitar or it, it doesn't sound that way. So it's, it's, it's kind of, Again, that adds the level of just craftsmanship that he had mm-hmm. as a as a musician. Um, so yeah, so let's dive into the aftermath of the film. So, not long before the before the release of the film, uh, Black Monday happened on October nineteenth, uh, which basically when the stock market crashed, um, there was this huge market plunge in America, and many people said that. Uh, during tough times, people turned to entertainment for escape, right. but movie theater prices were becoming so high, they didn't know if that would be a benefit, a, 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 a outlet as much as it used to be, because now with the rise of home video, it was much more cheaper to go rent a movie than to go to the theater and dine out or whatever for a dinner and a movie at night. So there was not a lot of high expectations for this film. Also, too, because after the failure of Under the Cherry Moon, Warner Brothers did not want to do this film. Hmm. And so Prince had to go to a different company, which was Cinemaplex uh, Ogden Films is what it was. And so when it was released, it was released in only 250 theaters uh, compared to Purple Rain's 900 when it was released originally. So just a very small thing, Uh, very small uh, a release schedule for them uh also too when it was released what did it well critically with people it was actually considered like a box office failure it only made three million dollars the box office 
Now the budget was probably less than a million, but it just it wasn't. It was even lower than Under the Cherry Moon. Yeah. Um, and so you have that. Um, Prince also you can kind of tell just doesn't really care for it. They say it's like it gets released, but it the last few song or singles on the album weren't doing that well. So the the base of the concert film didn't really affect the album at all. And Prince was kind of moving on to the next thing. And he actually was like going to release an album, like a surprise release album for the holiday season, but then like pulled it last minute. Um, and it didn't get released till like six years later called the black album. Um, so he just seemed just kind of like very, I guess, apathetic to He just didn't really care about it. Um, mm. But uh, Ebert gave it three stars and said, basically compared Prince to Orson Welles saying it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to live up to that first film. And it yeah. feels like Prince will always be chasing that after Purple Rain. Um, but it was a it was it was Brett better quickly than than Under Cherry Moon. Um, it would then be released on home video uh, a few years later in the U.S. Again, because it was supposed to be it was supposed to be for the U.S. audience. They didn't want to tour in the U.S. Uh, it was released in the U.S. Uh, and then it quickly went out of print not long after. And to this day, has never been released in the U.S. Uh, on DVD or Blu-ray or anything. Um, and I wonder if that has to deal do with a different studio releasing it. Um, and because I think if Warner Brothers had the rights to it, they were released it. But because I think it was a Canadian mm. film dist- distributor, uh, distributor, um, that Prince probably had a little more say and probably just didn't care to really release it. Um, and that was why after his death, I guess people were like, oh, we should get the licensing for this movie. And it was released on Showtime. Uh, and to kind of show you like how big of a deal it was, like Rolling Stone did an article about how it was being shown on Showtime. That's how big of a thing it was to music. Like, oh my God, this kind of holy grail of Prince is being released. And so since then, like it ha- it's hasn't really gained much of a following, even though while I love Purple Rain, I think this is the best thing he did for film was mm. this movie. Because um, I think you see how pure he was as a musician and as a performer. And while something you have the narrative of Purple Rain, which helps it, I think it actually makes it feel makes it feel dated nowadays more. Um, and the performances are so amazing, but the, the narrative doesn't work as well. And I think Prince said, Cool, I'm just gonna do the performances and, and cut out the narrative a lot of the right. time. And then he has these like sketches here and there. Yeah. Um, I think I think the music stuff is the strongest of it. But yeah, it's like it's it hasn't really gained much of a following. Um I think as of right now, if, if you want to look at letterbox numbers, it has like 6,000 views basically, which oh, really? is on very low um, for something like this. Um, but yeah, so go see it. If you haven't seen it, if you love Prince, like it's kind of just a, a perfect representation. Well, I mean, even if you don't, like I said, okay. he's not really my, even if you don't love Prince, like he's not really my vibe, but I mean, I, I can't deny the performance here. And like, uh, I mean, like, yeah. it's it's definitely worth watching. Like, if you're just a fan of of music, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 just it's just like I think I, I going back to this like uh, the overall question of concert films. I think, um, I, I, a large part of like how a person connects to it is obviously going to be like their appreciation of that artist, you know. Uh huh. But I, I but like I, I think if it's so well crafted, like 
um, if, if it's just such a great performance like this is, I, I think he just wins you over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. <know? laughs> like I don't have to be like, oh, I, I know all these songs. I, I you know, I, I listen to all these. You know what I mean? Like, I, he just he just wins you because he just he's putting on a hell of a show. Yeah, show. yeah. yeah. And, and I think and this day and time where like I think I'm like I'm if you never get to see Prince live, this is like the thing to watch. It feels right. like. Um, well, you also told you, me this was a good. You felt this was a good introduction to it. You know, I mean, like other than me seeing the Super Bowl, obviously when I was a kid, but I don't really remember that. That was a long time. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, it's a great introduction to Prince. I think it's a great introduction to Prince. Uh, Purple Rain as well. But I think as a pure performer, this is the thing uh, to watch. Um, it's also very sexy, David. It's a very. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I say that because there's this great. Uh, it's, I, one of the top reviews on Letterbox for this is. Yeah. In Minnesota, we don't have sex ed classes in school. They just play Sign of the Times once a year. <laughs> I'm gonna like that. Um, That's good. I liked in the New York, um, the New York uh, Times review. It said at the bottom, it said PG-13, and it's, it said a warning about lascivious dancing or whatever the word was. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh man. man, yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah, it's it's a uh, it's intense. It's a very intense. Um, movie for sure i mean yeah but i i love it i think i think it's again it's it's one if you like you can find you can or, or if you can find it which is it's free on several streaming sites yeah, yeah. i watched it. it on pluto so uh, yeah yeah and there, honestly there weren't even that many ad breaks. i think it's just because it's only what 84 minutes or something it's there 84 minutes ad breaks. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot. Yeah. um but that leads me to the to our question of what worked about this film david mm-hmm. i mean i think all everything that we've kind of been going over um but as a as a you know again as a concert film and as a kind of uh, a uh, what's the word uh, as a concert film and kind of as a representation of this artist that is Prince mm-hmm. I think this is probably of what I know of Prince it's probably as close as you could probably get <laughs> you know it feels like a pure artistic expression uh, of a man I agree I I, I I keep harping on but it it is very much this time capsule of Prince as a performer in this period. Mm-hmm. Who's someone who is trying to? I don't know if he's trying actively, but in in the public's eyes, trying to recapture lightning in a bottle with Purple Rain. Is it trying to get back again? It's the Jackson, Michael Jackson after Thriller. It is Orson Welles after Citizen Kane. How do we? Which Orson Citizen Kane wasn't a massive hit when it came out, mm-hmm. but how do you, it's like? How do you cap? Even like Purple Rain wasn't his first album, uh, and he made albums in between that and this. It, but it feels like he he's he's trying to capture that that high yeah. again. Well, I mean, I, he, I think he, that happens with a lot with musicians. You know, we have like the mm-hmm. one hit wonders, or even like something like Nirvana's Nevermind. You know, that just had such an impact that it was it, it was impossible for them to to ever to live up to that, at least in, in that regard, like financially yeah. and all that. Um, yeah, I, I think I think I think the In Utero is my my. Well, we'll talk about this more when we do the the episode. But In Utero yeah. is my favorite of Nirvana's albums. But I think what they did with nevermind it's just it was not rep you could not repeat that like it, it, yeah well mu- music i think can be harder to like you can't just make a hard transition from one thing to the other i think with a filmmaker it's a little bit easier to be like okay i'm gonna make a co- it's it's say spielberg i'm gonna make a musical mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna make a coming of age movie or i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that but m- with musicians it's very hard to say i'm gonna make a uh r&b soul funk album and like i'm gonna make country album you can't really do that is the Mm -hmm. thing because it's it's much easier to alienate your audience i think an example of who's done it who did it in a brilliant way um 
lover or hater is Taylor Swift. I knew it. I knew we were going. With she start well. She started off with country, and then and then slowly but surely yeah. starts making her country more pop, and mm-hmm. to where even her country albums by the end sound like pop albums, and then it becomes full on pop albums, and then she'll yeah. like go back and do folklore or whatever. This. So but, I don't know much about her discography, but was that was that transition sort of gradual, or was it like, oh, here's that was, my pop? That was gradual. That felt yeah. gradual. That was, I mean, to be to be fair, like the what I like of her music, and I, I don't listen to it regularly, but what I like mm-hmm. of her, I, I actually tend to enjoy the poppier stuff compared to her country, country stuff. Yeah, but she it was just a smart play by her to yeah because it's her first teardrops on my guitar or like Tim McGraw, like it's country, that's country, and yeah. then she gets to like and I again I don't know much about her either uh, as I'm staying on this, but then she gets like to you belong to me, which is one of her bigger songs, which is kind of the the when she hits public mm-hmm. uh mainstream and not and not just country um that feels like a pop record in a way um and then and then she goes full on pop like not long after um and i don't know the the the, the kind of release schedule like sure. uh, uh uh timeline of her stuff but she goes she she goes from very very country to I think I think red is maybe the first one that goes pop. I'm so sorry if someone who's a Swifty is listening and I'm oh, so mad. wrong. I, t- I totally apologize. Right I'm Swifties really go- are like Swifties are like uh, Star Wars fans, man. They I'm, get real yeah, buttered. I'm I'm going off the cuff and I'm so sorry if I get her her, her <laughs> discography timeline wrong. But like I but I remember in the moment like when I was in high school where she was country. Like all my country friends love Taylor Swift and like because all the guys like had a crush on her. And then by college, she was pop within yeah. like a four or five year span. She was pop. Um, but I think and I wonder in a lot of that's branding, too. You know, like she, yes. she's very smart about branding herself as a, she was as an artist. And I think but, Prince is Prince was, too. Yes. But Prince is like someone he does to, to, to bring this back to Prince is yeah. that he does what interests him. That was his right. whole thing. So right. it's why Sign of the Times has such a varied musical style. It's funk, it's R and B, it's pop, it's soul, it's um whatever. It's like it's he could do really anything he wanted and he kind of knew it is the thing. Um But you want that. It's like the it's like yeah. the director that gets the blank check from the studio to make whatever. I mean, we were talking about yeah. Babylon, you know? Like yeah, yeah, Giselle. Yeah. I'm glad that Giselle swung for the fences with Babylon, yeah. man. I'm glad he made he made that while wow, he had that blank check, you know? Yeah. And this just feel with, with Prince it just feels like I think this is like him on an off day, and it's still mm-hmm. great. That's that I think this concert film is Prince on a possible off day, but yet it's still <laughs> it's still a phenomenal piece of like phenomenal work. That's well, why to the it's kind of insane. back to the Michael Jordan LeBron James uh, comparisons. Yeah. <laughs> Even on their off days, they're still they're still great, <laughs> and his longevity is just insane. Like to re- to release like thirty eight albums, and by the way. He released other albums under different stage names. That's not even including those. Yeah, like that's insane to me. He just did what he wanted on a. Like, I'm gonna make this song on a Monday, and then it's it's the it's the, it's the gall to be like, yeah, we're gonna start editing this on Sunday and be done by Friday. Edit this entire movie in a week. That's that's his thought process behind it. Like, <laughs> no other director would be like, I'm gonna. There has been six months. Like yeah. four to six months adding this movie. And he's like, or may, at least a month, give him at least a month, two months. And he's just like, no, nah, a week. <laughs> I get bored. Like that's the thing that people, like people of his, of his nature is like, they're so brilliant. They get bored so easily. Right. And they just want to move on to the next thing. 
Yeah. Which well, is, they want that challenge, I feel like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about what worked, and I think that's so it worked. Let's move on to what didn't work. My apologies. Um, yeah. Did anything not work about this movie? I mean, we've kind of touched on our full-blown disgusted, but yeah, I mean, I, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think there's parts where the songs leading into the next song really work. Yeah. I just think by design, like, for, again, comparing it to... Um, Stop making sense. Stop making sense, which was like, by design, this song leads to this song. Leads to, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just, it flowed really well. Um, other than, you know, the one qualm that uh, we discussed in that episode. But yeah. um, uh, I think this, I think there's moments where it's like, and it's not that, it's like, I like the slow songs and I like the variety. I just don't, I and I, I can't say that there there was a better structure. Like, I don't know yeah. how you structure, structure this, but I, I, there were moments where I felt like, oh, this is kind of a jump to this song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's fair. So that would be that, but that's really my only thing. And again, it's like it's a concert film, so like, yeah. you, like you're going to see the band. They're going to cut the lights off for a second while they switch guitar. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. there's, there's there's it's always going to be like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. How how do you feel about the uh, the vignettes that they do? Of like yeah, and characters. to be honest, like I'm racking my brain, like trying to remember what even happens in a lot of those. You know, it's like granted, I didn't take notes on them, and I've only seen this once. But I yeah, I, like. It's not that it interrupts. Like, it's fun to watch. And, like, I remember there being some moments that I kind of, like, you know, well, laughed or smiled or whatever. Yeah. Grinned, well, but there, there's the one of, like, it's, I think, I Can Never Be Your Man, where, like, the dude walks up to, like, the bar area. And he's talking mm. about, like, his girl and how she threw him out because he did, she wanted him to talk more or something like that. Yeah, I remember um, that one now. Uh, and, and that guy and then Kat, who's one of the backup singers, are kind of the two characters kind of coming in and out. Because the other yeah. one's the opening when it's, like, the kind of, like, again alleyway like neon drenched city that they're in at the mm-hmm. beginning um they're kind of there and having an argument that prince is like s- weirdly like overhearing uh and she's like trust and she's like saying weird like just buzzwords it feels like yeah. um but hearing trust just feels like it's a, it's an early precursor to trust and bat the batman soundtrack um, <laughs> bro, the Batman, the, the people sleep on that Batman soundtrack. Uh, no, hey, I love that Batman soundtrack. I had that, <laughs> I had that Batman soundtrack on cassette tape. Okay, nice, nice. Um, I had, like, I, nah, dude, I, I found it somewhere. Nothing beats Jack Nicholson running around with a boombox listening to Prince and destroying uh, well, it, prized yeah, art of, of Gotham City. Yeah, that's Party Man, and then Trust is a, is the parade. Right. Oh yeah, I forgot about yeah, that when he's dancing yeah. on the float. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. There's I a forgot lot. about that. And then you have uh, Bat Dance that comes in there. Yeah. It's such a crazy film, uh, uh, song. Yeah, and I go think go, about yeah, go watch his music videos and that too. Those are those are insane. Oh I, yeah, I, I was looking at one on YouTube. I didn't I didn't watch it yet, but um, I think I think that's an interesting like just uh, the connecting Prince to like the Joker. I just think it's kind of funny to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like in that movie, like the musically and, and uh, with the, with the visuals. But. I mean him. I mean I know it was probably something before then, but like. To go with Batman, we'll talk about that at some point in, in the future, but like to give one of your top artists just carte blanche, but like, hey, go make a soundtrack for our superhero movie. <laughs> and not only that, like it's the it's like the Batman. Like this is gonna be the yeah. big, like, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like and I'm just like, just go, go go make a soundtrack for our biggest movie to date, possibly. Yeah. Like it's like in like modern times, like it's like Kendrick Lamar doing Black Panther is kind of the big right. one. But yeah. like after that, that's when you have that kind of like Whitney Houston does the bodyguard and it becomes like a big thing to have an artist. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like Prince and maybe I'm wrong. If he feels like one of the first ones to be like, sure, I'll make a soundtrack based off a comic book. Yeah. Um, but but tonally, it, it just fit like it fits yeah. in Burton's world somehow. I don't know how to put that into words. Funny enough. 
Um, yeah. but, but back to my what didn't work about this movie. I, we keep hopping around. My, my apologies. <laughs> yeah, going on tangents, sir. But You Got the Look is my, well, I think it's a good song. It just feels, I'm literally just, I was like, what? I was like, what is this? Like, mm-hmm. I was like, was this added in like a, a extended release? Like, no, this is in the actual movie. Like, God, this looks, I don't say bad, but it just looks drastically different than yeah. the rest of the film. Like, it's well, just it like, jumps out at you because of that. it does because because it feels like you're watching it on like your TV TV set from the from the eighties. Like, yeah. it feels it looks grainy. It looks like it's edited like an MTV music video, and it's the colors just don't pop as much as the rest of it. It just feels right, like kind right. of washed out, basically. And then it's like when it comes back to the next, I'm like, oh yeah, th- that was not right. That shouldn't have been there. And I feel like um, that would be that would uh, stick out even more on a, on a big screen, like if you were seeing yes, this in theaters. I agree completely. Yeah. So that that was just that was just one that really really uh, was jarring. And, and again, the sketches are okay. I think I think I think I wrote down like there, there's some weird dialogue in the opening sketch as like yeah. it's a weird open that it's weird for that to be your opener. Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, so they, they weren't very memorable, obviously. No, if you didn't remember them, it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're, they're just kind of there, um, yeah. and they're not as yeah. So it's it's kind of well, just because, like I said, the way it moves, like the music is just like boom, boom, boom. So it's like I completely forgot. You, about, can, you, know, you like, can yeah, yeah, you can go from song to song and not need, yeah. need really any of that. Um, but yeah, so so film facts. I only have one. I found this when watching the credits. Credits that the drummer Sheila E actually did the sound, the final sound mixing for the movie. Oh no it way! That's like. awesome. Or at least the album, but she's she's yeah. listening to the credits, credits as like the sound, the sound mixer for yeah. it. So, I, th- I think it's I, I think for a concert film especially, it's like really well. Uh, well, now that I know that it was it was other performances, but yeah, it's really well, yeah. uh, really well mixed. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so awards. So first off, we'll do the Adam Schlesinger mm-hmm. best musical performance award. So like best song, basically. Yeah. So what what is yours? I, it's going to be a beautiful night. Like I said, I, I think it's just okay. the crescendo of the movie. I, I feel like that's what it's all building to. And then I like that yeah. it kind of, uh, not tapers off, but like it, it ends on that, uh, on another note, but it, like this feels like, Oh, this is the climax of the, yeah. of the show. If that makes sense. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the best performance and not my favorite song. I think my favorite song is, um, I can never take the place of your man, but I mm. think his best performance might be, the little red Corvette piano into Housequake, mm-hmm. because you get this all just all this stuff of him as a musician with little red Corvette. And then Housequake, I think feels like the most live version. Now I think about in terms of like his, his, his kind of banter back with the crowd or whatever. Um, and his dancing's incredible. I think that's, I think that's kind of his best, just like pure performance number mm. is the mm. thing. I, I um, didn't mention my I didn't mention my favorite song, but my favorite song was actually "Slow Love." Surprisingly. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. You went with a lot of different ones that I I didn't. I mean, I yeah. didn't love as much, but we're all good. But that's. Interesting. I mean, I, I think I think uh, also. I mean, I'm, you're probably like well, way more well versed with the with the album, and this is like my, my first time hearing a lot of these songs. So. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, I, I can never take I can never take the place of your man. Is like just one of my favorite ones by him. And I love "Sign of the Times." I think that's a great opener too. Yeah, um, I think it drops you right in and it gets, gets yeah. Well, when the show starts, yeah. when the show starts, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll go with the little Red Corvette housequakes sequence, mm-hmm. and you'll go with it's gonna be a beautiful night. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, you get 
I think you can pick whatever on this movie, honestly. Yeah. Except except you got the look. That's the only one I don't see you pick anyone picking. Um <laughs> again, Walla good song. Just I I'm just surprised he let that in there, to be real. Yeah. I'm surprised so you know what, let's put this in here. Um because that's when it adds like it introduces it by like Prince in his dressing room like falling asleep is what it is. It's a very odd like a dream sequence type thing. Right, right. Um, like yeah. they try to try to make it fit, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is why yeah. it looks different because it's his dream. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so those. Um, so let's do. Uh, I don't know if we can do both of these, but let's do the Annie Potts X Factor Award. So supporting supporting player. That's most memorable. I think it's Sheila E. Like, I, I agree, but I also have one for the the smaller. Uh, oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, 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 We'll go back. We'll the, go back. Okay, fine. Okay, cool. But yeah, no, I agree. Sheila E. Man, that that yeah. drum, like the so, drum so, solo. So, so yeah. Beatrice Strait Award actor actually missing oh, okay. that kills it. Who who do you have for that? The saxophone player. I don't know his name, but uh, there's a moment where he like he's he has like a solo man, and he's playing the hell out of that saxophone. He is. Yes. Yeah. Let's see. I think it's. Oh, Eric Leeds. Eric Leeds yeah. is a saxophone player. Yeah, he, he he he's, he's the my, one who's he's my, right. yeah he's the one that that said uh 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 they shot eighty percent reshot eighty percent of the movie is is set from Paisley Park reshoots right oh, yeah so he was on basically parade in eighty six to most stuff in the eighties basically mm. he, one, eight, one two three four five six seven. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, like eleven or twelve albums with Prince. Wow. And and then like yeah. and then two or three other ones through his other like group. Like I mean Matt, he adds Madhouse. an important ele- oh, he adds yeah. an important element to this to like the, the overall band, you know? No, I agree. Yeah. I agree completely. Yeah, it's he's a saxophone guy and Atlanta Bliss is the trumpet player that's mm. shown. All interesting names. <laughs> All interesting names. So you'll go Eric Lee, it's Beatrice Straight. That that's that's fair. And then uh, Annie Potts X Factor Award um, is Sheila E. Yeah, we got it. We got to give it to her. Uh, her her drum solo it, it, that enough wins her the award. But like she just she's just putting on a show as much as Prince is. Yeah, drum solo that that they also gets to to sing at one and yeah. one of the songs. Like she she's fantastic, fantastic. Um, and then this may be the one of the easiest Gene Hackman MVP awards we've ever <laughs> given. Um. The Gene Hackman MVP award, the person who carries the movie, director, actor, etc. I mean, you got to give it to the Prince, man. It's got to be Prince. I said, I think that the, the whole movie is unlike talking, unlike stop making sense. It's like, is it, is it burn or is it Demi or her with last waltz? Is it Levon or is it Robbie or is it Scorsese with sign of the times? It is Prince and nothing but Prince. Mm-hmm. You live or die based off of Prince in this movie. And and how he's directing it, and I think it's the best thing he directed. Um, well, I I won't say that because I haven't seen his his other stuff that he directed with. He he did uh, Under the Cherry Moon, and then after this, a few years later, he did Gravity Bridge, which was a sequel to Purple Rain. Um, oh really? A direct, a direct sequel to Purple Rain. Yeah. He directed. Is it good? Or, or I haven't is, seen it. Is it well received? It was not well received. Yeah, I think it was not not as well received as, as Purple Rain. Um, but yeah, he is. I mean, he he's the MVP, and mm-hmm. and he's someone that I have grown to appreciate more and more as years have gone on. Well, I, I do want to mention this mm-hmm. since he's I do want to mention this since he's, since he also directed it. I I, I think uh, 
something that I want to give him props for is it doesn't fit. This doesn't feel self-indulgent. We're very much. No. Yeah. No, it could have been. Yeah. You could argue. um, This is a, this is, this seems crazy. You could argue that stop making sense is more self-indulgent than this is. I had to buy that. I'd buy that. Because I think David Byrne is way more of the focal point Mm -hmm. of, of stop making sense when it's actually a group. I can understand Prince being the focal point because it's about Prince. But yeah. Prince, but Prince literally goes off stage and lets his band do a Charlie Parker cover when he does not have to. Yeah, it wasn't movie. for a costume change or it anything. Does it does not like, have yeah, to. Yeah. Like stop making sense. Oh, I had to change in the costume or whatever. Yeah, to the suit. Prince, yeah. Prince, just like screw it. You guys play for a while. Yeah, we're and we're on a soundstage in Minnesota. Who cares? Like <laughs> he 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 gives them props throughout, and he yeah. he tries to he tries to add them all into the. Sh- his story of the show mm-hmm, is the right. thing. When David Byrne, not to knock him, he includes the talking heads, but it feels like it's more, it's his fictionalized version of it. And while it's all, his account, his account, as yeah, opposed it's, to his, the it's his account. Yeah, and yeah. it's, and it's like, it's Demi who's finding them in the moments to, to showcase them. Mm-hmm. I think Prince naturally showcases a lot of his his backing band here mm. so yeah that's a fair point so uh, yeah um, okay just out of curiosity what was the song that you requested at the ice cream shop oh that was let's go crazy so that's from okay. purple rain yeah okay. i was like i was like we have to pay I, off I couldn't the ice remember cream the bit. song yeah i couldn't remember the song that you ch- that you chose but <laughs> we, well, well we had to pay off the ice cream bit brief story on this uh we were at a we were at an ice cream shop one night it's also Ash. what time you got to say what time it was like midnight or it was like 11 or 11 or midnight. Yeah. It, it was like, it was like weirdly we won ice cream and it was the only place that was open in the Valley at that point in time. And we went there. We we're the only ones there. Uh, you, me and our friend, Uthana. And, uh, they liked us. They're like, Hey, since you guys are the only one here, what's a song you want to play on, uh, on the, like the, the Bluetooth or whatever, like to, to play on the speakers. <laughs> and, and I was let you found a pick. I was like, oh, like because I think it was his birthday around that time. I was like, oh, you pick. And he was just like, no, I, I no. Oh, he said, he said, well, what's your favorite Prince song? And I go, oh, let's go crazy. And I were like, let's go crazy by Prince. And they started playing it. One of the girls was like, what is this? <laughs> like not like not into it at all. Well, and they were Gen Z. They were Gen Z. And yeah, not to not to throw the, throw the Gen Z under the bus fully. Um, but yeah, and then and then it came on again accidentally, like a few songs later. Yeah, and they quickly changed it. Yeah, you got like two seconds in. Like, oh nope. They were like, nope, not this again. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the Prince. Story. I mean, that's I remember probably the last time they asked for a song. They're like, never doing that again. <laughs> Get some old people asking for this pe- this person. And my other more, I guess, more sad story with Prince is like he's one of the few people where like I can remember where i was when i heard he passed away uh mainly because i was just getting up essentially because it was so weird i got up i could i didn't sleep that day and i got up really early for me as you know i got up very early because i i because of my other job stuff i work a lot of nights and everything um but i got really early couldn't sleep and i checked my phone and i see like a random story from like the seattle times of prince's death and I was like posted two minutes ago and I was like, what? And I start searching and there's no news, news, news articles whatsoever about this from any major site. And I'm just like, did Prince just die? 
And then like about 10 minutes later, I start seeing a trickle of other articles coming in. And then finally oh. I was like, I was like, was I one of the first people to find out that Prince died? Like it was very, like, it was very weird. Like how so early it was, I caught this like random article and it was the only one online when it, when it posted. And I was like very confused. Mm-hmm. And I will, it was like six 30 in the morning. It was like early. Um, oh man, that's really early. That's for you, early like, for me. That's like early go to sleep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but like honestly, that's that's also something you don't want to like. That's not news you want to wake up to. Like one of no. the, your art, like artists yeah. that you really admire, passing away. So and so I had to like wait to like go call people and stuff because I was like, I mean, I'm the only one that knows this right now. Yeah. And I just had to wait. Um, well, did you, did a part of you think it was a hoax when you were searching? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That and you couldn't find other articles. Couldn't yet. find any articles on it whatsoever. And and I was just, I, yeah, it was very, it was very odd. Um, and then and then it started your report from from more from larger networks and stuff. Because um, when did he pass away again? Was it 2016? Um, or? it was 2016. Yes, April, yeah, okay. April 2016. And that's and what was so. If you want to go listen to a song that's about this, it, it was so kind of coincidental is that one of his songs, "Sometimes It Snows in April," mm. um, is kind of it's about the death of a person, and it's kind of this like funeral type song. And he died in April, wow. um, and so it was kind of like prophetic i guess you could say um uh it was very kind of crazy to see that um but yeah that's my print stuff that, that's that's my uh that's our print stuff and the gen zers the ice cream place are not fans <laughs> not fans she just um, goes she but she it, she said it loud too she's like what is this yeah she was she was <laughs> yeah she she probably yeah she was like no never again never asked me again um <laughs> All right, well, at least last, not our age. Not our age. <laughs> we'll, we'll play Damn no. millennials. Yeah. Um, last question. So how does this movie fit with the concert film genre? I mean, in terms of what we've talked about with Stop Making Sense mm-hmm. and Last Waltz, it's a very, I mean, it's it's more Stop Making Sense than Last Waltz for sure. Um, but yeah, you go, you go ahead and chime in on that. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as a pure artistic expression, I, I admire mm-hmm. that. I think as a performance, I admire that. So it captured, you know, that initial thing of, of wanting to film the concert, um, uh, or, 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 or showcase Prince as a, as a performer, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah. it really, I think it really nails that. Um, you know, we can give or take the, the vignettes, but that at least gives it another, another element. You know? yeah. It's not just the concert. So, but, but uh, I think too, that's what makes it weirdly Prince. Mm-hmm. Like, is that weirdness, Around right. it, to, to the planet of Prince or whatever, yeah, where everyone talks in trust or this or that, like just these kind of one word sentences or sentences or whatever, um, is very much him. Uh, I also do think it is kind of this really perfect time capsule of an artist who is at a transition point in their career. Is that he's doesn't have the band he's usually had. He's in a period where his creative ideas are being questioned uh, by fans or questioned by Warner brothers or whoever, because of they're they're not as financially successful as they once were. Um, but when you watch this, you really can't tell that you think this is a guy who is at the top of his game and arguably at the peak of his powers uh, is the thing. And then, 
not long after, I mean, I think either this or Batman are his kind of peak of his powers. Mm-hmm. But once he gets into the early '90s, that kind of goes away. Um, so you're seeing kind of the last, um, last kind of gra- gasp of that before a decade of legal issues and uh, changing of the name and more experim- experimental type music, but still putting out music every year. Yeah. Even with all that, he's still putting out an album every year. And that's that's kind of insane of any art. See, like, I man, don't know about much about the 90s print stuff, but did his did his kind of sound evolve more or was he still kind of in this like R&B? Soul it was it was a mixture of, yeah. of like of like funk and, and soul and and R&B like he, he, he there's always an essence of all that mm-hmm. um, is the thing. Um, but he just gets it just gets damn right crazy with how much he does it's like i talk about how he can record an album in a week yeah write and record an album in a week basically that's um, insane. <laughs> that's yeah insane. it's ridiculous i mean i think diamonds and pearls is one of his bigger, bigger ones which came at like 91 but then like the the symbol comes in right after that mm-hmm. um and and that's kind of like and he does like kind of like he starts to do more of like box sets to kind of because he's trying to like get out of the Warner Brothers deal, I think because I think he has like a lot of different. Um, I think they just they own a lot. Like basically, we need this many records for me or whatever. I think he's just like putting them out to, uh, to get out of his contract. It feels like right as he keeps going. Um, but yeah, it's it's I, I he's someone that you could easily just dive into fully and listen to all of his stuff and. You might hit, you might go through the album and be like, oh, a lot of these songs aren't that great, but then you get like one, you're like, oh wow, this is great. Um, so yeah, he also did a Spike Lee soundtrack as well. Um, you know, oh, for the, which one? I think Girl Six is what it says. Spike Lee Joint. Yeah, Spike Lee Joint. Yeah, and the New Power Generation was the band that uh was a successor to the Revolution. Mm. Um. And they were part there, and and they did a lot of his uh, uh, albums and kind of the the posts in, in the early '90s, basically. Um, so yeah, but that's all we have for you on Sign of the Times. Be sure to check out our Patreon. Um, hopefully, by the time it's released, you'll have the Elvis comeback special. Uh, if not, it'll be happening very soon. It's going to happen at some point. Um, and then I probably the last thing we do for the Patreon for the month is going to be our Nirvana thing. When yeah. I get back in town, we will record. Which I'm Nirvana. looking forward to. Yeah, because I got I, I got to watch both of them. Which I which how many Nirvana specials are there? There's the unplugged one. There's the Paramount uh, one. Yeah, and there's I, live at Reading, which is that's yeah Reading Reading. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So that one I wouldn't consider as much. Uh, I mean, it's still a concert film. I mean, this is where we kind of draw the line of concert film, film con. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But there's some really great punk covers in that one. I, I really like, okay. like their performance there. Uh, but Paramount feels very cinematic. And then, obviously, we're talking about Unplugged because we got to, you know, we can talk about all of MTV's Unplugged uh, Oh, yeah, shows. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And kind of, like, yeah, the idea of it, you know, uh, and how, well, how different that is stylistically. You know? And it's interesting, too, when we get to Nirvana because with the Elvis stuff that, we'll talk, that I've talked about, is like some people consider the Elvis special when he's like performing in the in the kind of round mm-hmm. as like a early predecessor to MTV Unplugged, mm. because of his like just kind of guitars and buddies in front of a crowd. Right, it stripped down fully and unplugged. That was their whole thing: is their artists stripped down to acoustics and bare essentials, essentially, or basically. Right. Um. So yeah, but but go to that for the people who are on Patreon. Thank you so much for kind of supporting us. Um, 
we want to keep putting out content as you can. We're doing two full episodes, which is a lot. Um, but we want you guys, we, we, we love movies and we want to cover as many movies as possible um, if we can. So that's a good place for us to do that. Um, so go to that if you if you haven't already. $1, $5, $10. Again, thank you so much to people who've done it so far. It's helping us out tremendously. Uh, so yeah, but that's what we have for you in this episode. If you have any questions for us, feel free to contact us at sendationpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, your comments, say nice things to us. You know, whatever. We'd like to hear good things. We'd like to hear that you're like you're enjoying the show. If you have recommendations for us to cover, we can try our best to look at look look at doing them. Um, but yeah, and if you're a new listener or a fan of the show, and for some reason you haven't subscribed to us, be sure to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you have uh so you can stay updated on all of our new episodes um you can subscribe to us on our podcast spotify google podcast stitcher or wherever your podcast and if you haven't already be sure to write us a review on your preferred podcast platform uh the more reviews the better these reviews help uh get us more exposure uh if there's a lot happening at one time we get seen by more people so if you can tell your friends uh, to review review if you're if you're like a listener on spotify but you have an iphone just go over to the apple podcast and just write really quickly i would really appreciate that it's like be two great. seconds yeah it's two seconds great five stars like yeah pl- you know what just, just help us out that's all we're asking i know it's the new year but anyway i'm rambling i apologize uh it's one of those episodes um and finally don't forget to follow us on facebook twitter instagram letterbox and tiktok David, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, buddy. Over over Zoom, not in person these these past two times. I know it's been, it's been strange. It's been a very different situation. It was so, funny yeah. you mentioned that with the Thomas episode. How it kind of flipped. We he, kind he of flipped. Was, yeah, he was yeah. in the room with you. And I'm now in, I have to go back to Atlanta to finish out the month so we can make it all <laughs> all bounce out right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye.